Easter is upon us. <laughs> Easter is upon us. I don't think a whole lot about Easter. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would uh, usually get me an Easter. It's a surprisingly big holiday in America when I think about it. Like, beyond the, the Christian religious context, it's funny to me that that holiday was as big of a deal as it was. Or as a kid, my mom would, you know, she would get me a little Easter basket and hide it somewhere. And then a lot of it involves hiding because then obviously what all the kids do is uh, they find hidden Easter eggs, like the parents hide Easter eggs around. And we used to do that. Like my family and maybe one or two other families kind of had a tradition of getting together and there'd be the golden egg. <laughs> there'd be the, <laughs> the golden egg, which was something it was bigger, usually wrapped in foil. And that would be hidden somewhere extra hard. So like the older kids would always end up getting it. I think there'd be a little bit of money. But it, it, I don't even know what was in the golden egg. I just know that like just the idea of find, like being the one who finds the golden egg was a big deal. But it's funny because like it never really crossed my mind. Like I, I heard things here or there that Easter was a religious holiday. And obviously it is. But it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I even was able to even wrap my brain around that. Because, I mean, they did such a good job making you think of bunnies and pastel colors. Like, they did such a good job at hammering that image in your head that it's actually impossible for me to not immediately see, like, the most stereotypical Easter decorations when I just hear the word Easter. Like, if I just hear the word Easter, it's like... I. I my mind doesn't even go to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't go to church. It seriously just goes to like, oh, the Easter bunny and pastel shades of rainbow colors and candy. <laughs> just shows you the power. Because, I mean, they could have done that for another holiday. You know, they could, I mean, they just as well could have uh, turned Easter decorations into something like Halloween, given it deals with like death and resurrection. They easily could have made Easter a little more morbid or a little more weird. But it's just wild that, like, yeah, you hear the word Easter and just immediately, immediately, it's just the, the stereo damn typical Easter bunny. Easter decorations, peeps, peeps. That's a funny thing, because I, I had a teacher in school, I think she, she was my French teacher in uh, junior high, and uh, like her thing was pe being into peeps. That's something I noticed about teachers, and it's actually pretty clever on their part, where they would, they would find something, they would have some little fact about themselves that they would just repeat over and over again. And then like, they would get the kids to engage with that. Like there was a teacher at one point who her whole thing was penguins. You went into her, her classroom and it was like penguin posters, stuffed penguins, penguin pictures, like everything was penguin themed. And as a result, like kids would buy her, like if kids got together and bought like a teacher, a gift, they would buy her something penguin related but it was also, it's like a good distraction. Like it, it like focuses the kid on something. Cause it's like, kids don't need to know that much about your life. 
Like if you're a teacher, the less that kids know about your life, the better. So just having something like, hey, kids, like, did you know that my favorite animal is a penguin and I'm just like obsessed with penguins? And then kids are like, oh, my God, she's the penguin lady, you know, and that's what they start engaging her on. And like, that's kind of how this French teacher was with peeps. Although, but it was kind of, I don't know, it was hard to tell like how ironic it was. It was kind of hard to tell where reality began and ended. But this French teacher, like her, she was obsessed with like the candy peeps, the Easter peeps. <laughs> and so people would like bring them to her. They would, um, like, I feel like we would even have these like peep contests. I feel like in her class, we there was like an assignment where she bought a bunch of peeps and had us make like sculptures for her as the peep lady. And it was like something like other teachers would do it. Like other teachers would come into her classroom with a bunch of peeps. So it's like she got this reputation as like, oh, she's the peep lady. And if you wanted to like engage with her in class, you could just be like, oh, you know, like kind of reminds me of peeps, doesn't it? Hey, Miss Cunningham. Her name, her name, that was actually her name, Miss Cunningham. Hey, Miss Cunningham, like, today's pretty good because it's Friday, but, like, wouldn't it be better if you had some peeps? Are you going to go home and have some peeps? And she'd be like, I, I, I sure wish. Just being really into peeps. Peeps are my thing. Kids, like, and the thing is, generations... This is the, this isn't something that teachers just do with one class. Like they don't just do it one year. Like this is something like generations of students engage that teacher with. Like the peeps lady, my sister had had her like 7 years earlier and I feel like I remember having a conversation where she was like, "Oh, is she still really into peeps?" and I was like, "Sure is." Sure is. Still her thing. And I'm sure if she's still there, Peeps are probably still what they talk about. Like, she's probably been doing this with, uh, I mean, realistically, like, that was about 20 years ago. No, that was more than 20 years ago. That was like uh, 22 years ago. And if she's still teaching, and she wasn't that old, you know, she was like hitting middle age, but she could still be teaching. Like, that's at least like, that's like close to 30 years of like year after year, class after class, like engaging with students about your peep fetish. That's basically what it was. It was like, I'm really into peeps. Because I always think of peeps as something that like not everybody likes. Like that kind of candy never appealed to me. Like I like fun dip. I like 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 fun dip and uh, Lickamade, which I think are the same thing. Lickamade and fun dip, I think are different brands of the same thing. I always like that where it's just like, fruity flavored sugar in bags and you just like pixie sticks you know and, and you just di you just like lick this stick and put it in there and you're just eating pure sugar like i just love that it's like no illusions about what it is fun to lick a maid but uh you know so i i, I can get into the idea of just candy that's just like pure sugar with no decoration but peeps are something else like i feel like it's been so long since I've had them. I'm like, are they, they're like kind of marshmallow, but I think they're like, I don't even know. 
They're not marshmallow, but they kind of have that consistency. But I think it's just like pure sugar marshmallow. I don't even know. But like the idea is like you're just eating pure sugar. And I mean, they release them. They're cheap and usually holiday themed. They're cheap and they're usually holiday themed. It's a good song. <laughs> She's cheap and holiday themed. But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to me to think like that lady, Mrs. Cunningham, if she's still teaching today, based on the fact that she was doing this when my sister had her close to 30 years ago, she could, that's, that's like 30 years of just being like, I love peeps and having kids go, you, you think about peeps? You thinking about peeps? Hey, teacher, I brought you in some peeps. That's just, that's madness. Like, that's the kind of thing where if she were to pass away, and I hope she doesn't, but talking theoretically about my teacher's death, my former teacher's death, hypothetical death, um, like if she were to die, like that's the kind of thing people would leave at her gravestone. People would leave peeps at her at her headstone. Like that's the kind of thing you leave. Like when I was wa watching some true crime thing about a month ago, like the the girl who was murdered, her sister leaves like uh, McDonald's sweet tea at the grave. I thought that, I thought that was sweet. No, not even making a joke out of sweet tea. I thought that was a really sweet thing to do. That it's like that's something specific that her sister liked, like McDonald's sweet tea. And so she brings her one and leaves it at the headstone. So you can imagine, like, the French teacher, my French teacher, people are probably going to leave peeps at her grave. But just the idea of having a thing, that's kind of what got me going on this. Like, a teacher will just have a thing, and it's like, it's almost like a, a lightning rod they hold out. It's like, oh, here's something that will distract the students. Like, here's a little fact that students will learn about me and that'll distract them from actually analyzing me as a human being. If year after year, generation after generation of kids who I teach are just like, you like penguins. Oh, you, you, she loves peeps guy. Oh my God. She just loves peeps. Easter's her favorite time of year. Cause she loves peeps. You know, it's like if kids are focused on that shit, they're not going to be like, so how many kids do you have? They're not going to ask you personal questions. They're not going to dwell on things too much. And, you know, when I, when I look back at school, I didn't know shit about my teachers. Like every once in a while, you kind of know something. Like if they had kids who were in the school, like I had both a husband and wife in different years. And they, they had two sons, like one was my age, the other one was a year younger, and like they went to all my schools and I played on sports teams with them. So like in that situation, you know a little more, but even then it's not like they were, it's not like I knew everything. It was just like, oh yeah, they have kids who are, who are my age and like you see them sometimes outside of a school setting. Like you see them on the sidelines of a sports game or like you see them at somebody's Christmas party. But it's not like we knew everything about their family. It's like, oh, they're both teachers. The husband and wife are both teachers. That means we know everything there is to know about them. Now, even then, even those people who were kind of like part of the community, we didn't know that much about. But when you think about just like a random teacher you have, 
you see them so much and, and they make references. They'll be like, well, my sons, he's a lot older than you or my husband or whatever they say. But the reality is like they just kind of throw that stuff out up there. Like they give you just enough. And like, and when you actually think back, you're like, oh, I really didn't know that person at all. And that's such a weirdly fucking intimate dynamic, like being a kid's teacher, especially in elementary school, where it's just that teacher with the kid. Or, or sorry, where it's just that teacher with the same kids all day, every day. Like they're not even, you know, at least by junior high, kids were going to... Uh, like six or seven classes a day and those change every quarter. So it's like three or four times a year, three times a year or something, maybe twice. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, I think it was like three times a year though. Like you, your classes change and some of your teachers change and like different people are in your class. But like those elementary school years, like kindergarten to sixth grade for us, that's all day, every day with one person the entire year. You'd think that you'd know everything. You'd think that they would be like a close personal friend at that point. Like being with a teacher all fucking year, you'd be like, oh, that they're like family to me. I've spent more time with that woman than relatives of mine. I mean, that's, that's real. Like it's not even a joke. Like there's relatives of yours and you've spent more time with this freaking teacher than even people who are your own flesh and blood because you, I mean, when else, unless you live with somebody, you're not going to spend any time, <laughs> unless you live with somebody, like there's nobody else you're going to spend more time with than your teacher. You know, maybe even more than like a, like a future boss or something. It's just crazy. Uh, but like my whole point is that uh, you, you don't really know them. Like I think about this teacher I had in third grade, like Mrs. Prather. And it was one of those years that was kind of devastating because like second grade, I was in a class where like I liked the teacher. I, you know, all my friends were in my class because that that's the other thing about elementary school is it's like you're in this class with the same kids and the same teacher all year long and it never changes. And so if you end up in a class where like none of your friends are there and nobody you really want to be friends with is in your class, like that freaking sucks. That like changes social dynamics. That changes friend groups. Like there was a year, I think it was that year that I'm talking about, third grade, where like I didn't have a single one of my actual friends in my class. And it was this teacher who I didn't even know existed. It was like when I went to go like see what class I had that year, I saw her name and I was just like, who even is that? And you look at the list because like they would post these listings on the front of the school. It was this crazy ritual every year where like near the very end of summer and it was always kind of bittersweet because it was it was like, you know, late August probably. And on the front of the school, on the on the doors, on the windows to the front doors, they would post lists of every single teacher and all the kids who were going to be in that teacher's class that year. And so, and I don't know, wh I don't know when or how the memo went out. It was like one of those things, like spawning upstream or something. Where like, I don't even know that a memo or like a, a notification went out that was like, oh, the class lists are posted. I think it was just something like you knew that time of year, like, oh, we should go by the school and see if they put them up, because you all lived pretty much in that neighborhood. So it was just like. 
we're going to go to the school and see it. But it, it was always very bittersweet because that's always been like one of my absolute favorite times of the year. Like late August where like, especially if it's like you, you get this kind of pre-fall effect. Where like it can be, it can still be like really hot summer weather here well into September. But sometimes around late August, like we've been through like the hottest part of the summer and we just start getting these really beautiful nights. Like the nights are cooling down like just enough, but it's staying light. It's like that that to me is the perfect time of year, but it always made me sad because it was summer coming to an end and school's about to start. And there was always some nice night where my family would be out. And we'd be like, maybe we went and got ice cream or we did something fun, like something summery. And then on the way back, we would go by the school and we'd be like, oh, the lists are posted. And it's not like all the families went at the same time. Like you'd see one or two other families there. Usually you didn't know them. And you, but you'd talk to them because it's like our kids go to this school too. You'd be like, oh, did you, oh, you guys are checking the list too. And you'd go to the door like, and, and I, I can I can think of, <laughs> I can't even talk here. Uh, I can think of a few moments in my life where there was this much like anticipation, like walking toward the front doors of the school to look at the list, like find my name on the list. And you'd find it and it was either exciting because you were like, oh, I got the teacher that I wanted. Because you get it in your head, like that's the weird thing about being in the same school system your whole life. Like you get it in your head, like, oh, I want this teacher. Like you hear things about this teacher, you know, somebody's brother who had this teacher. So you end up like having these preferences, even though it really doesn't fucking matter. Like maybe once in a while, there's this really, really cool or easygoing teacher. But for the most part, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter what teachers you end up having. Like, I don't, and I don't mean that. Like, I mean, teachers are, are important, but I'm just saying like getting the cool teacher, like, like as a kid, you were so, uh, like you wanted that. Like you'd be like, oh God, I hope I get like Mrs. Jensen. Oh man, I hear Mrs. Jensen so good. I hope I hear I hear she's so much fun. To, you know, you, you you like you have these expectations, and then like so you'd get to the school and it'd be like you'd either be excited or disappointed or indifferent based on which teacher you have, and then you'd scan the list like to see who else was in your class, and you'd find friends. Third grade though, nobody. You hear about food deserts. This was a friend desert. It was a friend desert. None of my good friends were in my class. I saw a bunch. Of, it, it was like, like a B movie. That's kind of what it felt like. It was like checking out movies and you like come across a B movie and you're like, there's some people in this who look vaguely familiar. It's like a B action movie. Like people look vaguely familiar, but you know, like I'm looking at their names and they, they, I just don't recognize them. That's what it was like seeing my class list on this bittersweet late summer day and just seeing the names. I was like, I don't even really recognize those names. They, they seem vaguely familiar. And that's how I felt about my teacher too, Miss Prather. Seems vaguely familiar, but I, I can't even place her. So that was disappointing. It was scary because it's like, fuck, I'm going to be in this, like, this weird environment for a whole year. And there was nothing you could do unless you had some serious reason. There was nothing you could do to change. Like you couldn't just go to the school and say like, oh, can you put me in Mrs. So-and-so's class instead? My friends are in there. Like you couldn't just do that. Otherwise, everybody would do it. Like unless there was some serious conflict of interest, like 
some serious personal problem, you couldn't get moved around like that. But, uh, yeah, seeing those lists, it was just, it, 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 you had so much anticipation. And then after you were done looking at your class, then you would look at the other classes. You were curious to see, like, which teacher your friends had or which... Because, I mean, it was just really weird because you'd have, like, three or four teachers. I think usually about three per grade. And so the kids would be divided between those teachers. And it's like each class would have its own, like, weird little culture. But they would spend all of their time in that room with this person. Eight hours a day, I guess. I'm trying to think of how long school was. I think it started at like 8.40 and got out at 3.15. That kind of rings a bell. Maybe not. It's not a, It's not like a full 9 to 5. It's not like a full job, but it's, it sounds about right. Maybe it was 3.45. I don't know, but it was, it was something like that. Like I feel like school started at 8.45 and then you got out around the, like maybe 3.15 or... Yeah, not, not much later than that. It's still a lot of time, though, because throughout that entire period, like from uh, maybe it was 8.15. <laughs> maybe it was 8.15 to 3.15 or something. I don't know. But what matters is like that entire time you're with this teacher. And then they'd have these weird classes. Like I never had one like this that I can think of. But they'd have one with two teachers. Like there was one called Foot Ishi, and every year they did this. I never understood the reason. Every single year, Mrs. Foot and Mrs. Ishi. Mrs. Ishi, I believe, was Japanese, and Mrs. Foot was a, from what I remember, a pretty attractive blonde woman. Intimidating, like very intimidating, and they were sporty and like. They would have their kids. I never had them, but like the thing is, we were we were observing the other classes. Like we were in this experiment where, like, here we are in these separate rooms in the same little area. Like all of our door, all the all the doors to each of the classrooms faced the other one, and so you could see in. Like unless they closed all the doors, which they didn't always do, you could see in to the other classrooms, and you'd have reason, you know, you, and you were really curious. You're like, what? What's the other pod doing? What are they doing over there? But Mrs. Foot and Miss Ishii, if their kids were misbehaving, they would have them go outside and just run a lap. Which I didn't know you could do. Like, I didn't know that when you're just teaching kids English and math, that you could just be like, oh, you're misbehaving. You're going to go run a lap. But they would do that. We would see them filter out. So they ran a tight ship there. But I never understood why there were two of them. Why were there two teachers? <laughs> there's a lot of things like that that are never really explained to you and obviously they're still on my mind but you'd see uh, everybody just had one teacher like there'd be an aide there'd be like a lady or two ladies occasionally a mom a volunteer mom but like they'd come to the classroom sometimes and like usually help with particular activities like if we were working on an art project they had some moms who would volunteer to help with that. An art docent, they called it. 
Never really understood what that was. It would just be like one of the moms who was good at art would show up. Like my friend Nick, Nick's mom was the art docent. She was a really fucking good artist too. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how that worked. Like it would just be like, oh yeah, so-and-so's mom is what we call the art docent. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know how to spell that. Be like the art, the art docent is here. But yeah, with like projects, like moms would help out, and then there would there'd be these ladies who would just like work for the school, but I never really understood what they did. And they'd help out in the individual classroom, and then they'd patrol the the playground during recess with whistles, and they would they were like security. So they were like aides in the classroom, but then they served as these these like recess attendants, I guess they're called, but they were like security. And what was cool about that, and this is just a total, this is just a total kid, this is just a total childhood episode. It's turning out. But what was uh, so great about like recess <laughs> was uh, everybody hated the recess teachers except for a select few. Like there was this natural antagonism toward the recess attendants. Like even if you weren't up to no good, like my group of friends and I, like we were testing the boundaries. Like, we were constantly trying to do things on the playground because there was a forest. The playground had a forest that you could only go in one recess per day. So, like, morning recess was 15 minutes. Lunch recess was a half hour. And then afternoon recess was 15 minutes. And lunch recess, you could go in the woods, but uh, not the first or third recess. I never really understood why. I guess, like, the longer... I don't even know. It's maybe it's like on a longer recess, it's easier to like herd the kids out of the woods. I don't even know. But uh, with uh, with the recesses, like the the kids just all naturally had kind of an antagonistic view of the recess attendants, and like we really did, and we were trying to do things. Like we would try to do little things. Like we would fuck with people on the playground. We would find little places to hide. We would build little forts. Like, there was this tiny little hill. I don't even know what it was made out of. Like, dirt or, like, almost like clay. It kind of had, like, that clay sort of feel to it. But it was, like, this. It was like in this corner of the field, like, behind the, the soccer field. And you couldn't really see it from anywhere. Like, it was part of the playground. Like, it wasn't off-school grounds, but it was as close as you could get. And, like, over time, uh, people had, like, pulled down part of the fence by it and turned it into almost, like, this bench. Like, they had pulled the top of the chain-link fence down all the way so that you could sit on it. Like, curved it over. Like, it curled over and turned into this almost bench. Hard to explain. So, we just sit on this bench. Like, you, it's like you knew you weren't really supposed to be there. But it's like, it was like right up to the boundary of what you could or couldn't do. And then like we, we pulled down this, there was like this little skinny tree and you know, I don't like to hurt trees, but sometimes as a kid, you got to figure this stuff out. And there was like this little skinny tree at the top of the hill. And one day we just pulled it down. Like we just started yanking on it and pulling it and we uprooted it and just got rid of this tree. So just like little things like that, like we didn't get in trouble for those things, but like, you know, stretching it, like when recess ended, like being the last people to go back, you know, like, <laughs> you know, not being the first one to get back to class, like not being late, but just kind of, you know, taking your time to get back. 
taking full advantage of recess, like we, we used to say. I'm taking full advantage of our recess. But it's like we naturally ran up against these freaking recess. We called them recess teachers. I think that was just us not knowing what to call them. I think they would technically be called recess attendants. But these ladies, like some of them were okay. Some of them were okay. But some of them were the worst human beings at the school. There was a lady, for example, named, um, they called her Mrs. Ethel. But I found out later her name was Ethel Barrett. Ethel Barrett. And she looked like the Crypt Keeper. And looking back, you know, she was probably in her 50s. Like, when I look back at it, she looked so decrepit and old. And she had these, like, big, yellow, nasty teeth. Like, so big and yellow. And she smelled like cigarettes, which, that's okay. I don't judge smokers. And she wore the same, it was a kind of this greenish jacket every single day. This greenish kind of, almost, not quite turquoise, but yeah, kind of a greenish turquoise windbreaker every day. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was, she wore that every single day. It was like a, a cartoon character. And she had like gray hair that was kind of curly. Not super curly, like not super tight curls, but just kind of curly and, you know. Fairly short, I think. I don't. I don't remember exactly. Just pretty nondescript. But her face, and her face was like like really sunken in cheekbones, like really skeletal. Like I'm not exaggerating at all. Like she she had a very skeletal face, and she was the meanest motherfucker on this fucking playground. She, yo, she was the meanest motherfucker on this motherfucking playground. It's true, though. Like, it was just, like, like she, she had so much hatred for the kids. She would berate people. Like, just scream. Like, not insult. Like, she wouldn't say specific things. Like, she wouldn't be like, she wouldn't call kids names. But just, like, her level of hate. It was, like, it was the way that a skeleton hates a human. It was the way that like a living dead skeleton, like the level of cold hatred that a skeleton has for a human. Like it's not even invested enough in the drama of the human experience. Like a like there's this old painting I like. I've talked to Miles about it for years where there's a skeleton raising up a sword. It's an old I can't remember who did it, but it's an it's a very old painting. And it's a skeleton raising up a sword. And there's a man kneeling in front of the skeleton, like obviously about to be beheaded. And the sword is just huge. It's kind of an awkward picture, but I've thought about that a lot over the years because it's like the way this skeleton is depicted, it's just, it's so cold and uncaring. Like it's not, you know, this painting, it's not like the way you see like a guy with a sword who's about to behead another guy. Like just the way the skeleton looks, it's like he's going to behead that man who's kneeling but it's like he, he doesn't even think about it. He doesn't, he doesn't even like, it's just, it's like a mechanical gesture and nothing more. And that's how Miss Ethel treated us. That's how Miss Ethel Barrett treated us. It was like, it wasn't even like she was invested enough in what it is to be human to like want to just hurt our feelings or be mean to us. It was just, it was like a, a skeleton guard 
who'd been sent there by the devil to guard this playground, to watch this playground, and just hated us out of principle, like like just hated us in this in the most detached, alien, skeletal way. That's how she was. And so she was you, you were just hearing her whistle all day, and she was so sick and scary looking. Like I I can't stress this enough. Like there was such a hatred in her eyes. And, and and she really had this like like female skeletor look, and uh, there was one time where like me and a group of boys, we were playing some game of like I don't know like pick up football or something, and uh, we, we like I was saying a minute ago we were stretching it like we would keep playing for a few seconds after the bell rang to go back to class, and we did this every time, you know we just like we the bell rang like we finished the play or whatever well one day like we hear just like everybody and she was wraith like you know as, as you i mean i, I didn't even say it because i figure you would just assume but she was wraith like when she was angry and she was just like everybody against the wall everybody against the wall <laughs> And we were, we were shocked, like we didn't, and she like blew her whistle, and keep in mind the bell had rang, and she was just standing against the wall, like there was a wall, like this little, this short little wall, and uh, we were all very confused, and we're like, what's going on? And she goes, every single day, every single day, you, after the bell rings, you know, she basically was just calling us out for what I'm saying, like after the bell rings every day. We stay out there for maybe a couple more seconds than we're supposed to just so we can like finish the play that we're doing or whatever, you know? And uh, so she was like, I'm, I'm going to keep you here for that. Like, this is punishment for that. And it, it, it felt so, because I mean, we weren't, we weren't causing problems. Like we weren't, we weren't doing anything bad. And I, I remember feeling like there was no reasoning. Like we tried to reason with her because we were going to get in more trouble too. Like she was keeping us on that wall after we were already supposed to be in class. So it's like, we would have to go back to class late and potentially be in trouble for that too. And we tried to reason with her and it was like reasoning with an inhuman skeleton. And there was this kind of moment of silence. And I just said, my mom will hear of this. And she just looked back at me with her inhuman eyes, like peering out at me as if from a skeleton, from a skull. And she just started slowly walking toward me and she gets really close, like in my face. Like her breath, her yellow teeth were like in my face. And she goes, I hope she does. I hope she does. I didn't, I'm not really capturing it right. So like I said, like my mom will hear of this. And I said that verbatim. Because the friends I was with like brought that up later. They were like, that was the funniest shit. Like you said, my, my mom will hear of this. <laughs> like very proper. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my, my mom will hear of this. I hope she does. That's kind of how she said it. And it was that honestly, it was like the most I'd ever, like the most soul I had ever heard from her.
was her getting in my face saying, I hope she does. But it was kind of quiet. Like there was this quiet, focused intensity. Like you could feel her absolute hatred for children. That's what got me about it. It's like Miss Ethel, like you could feel her hatred of children, yet her life revolved around children. And then there was another lady, Miss Maddox. She's about 300 pounds. Truly looked like a pig. Like, I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that because she was heavy. Like, she actually, her facial features, like, she actually had, like, this upturned snout. And my best friend Nick lived ne right next door to her. And her house was like the Dagobah system from Star Wars. Like, the, the, it was like a swamp. And the swamp was just like pulling that, this, it was this dark brown house. And like, we would spy on it because there was, there was kind of a hedge between Nick's house and Miss Maddox's house. And so we could, we kind of like poke our faces through the hedge and spy. And you'd see things like there'd be a, like a vine growing up the side of the house and you'd see where it had like made its way in through an open window. And it's like, a, like vines were just like growing in and out of windows into the kit. You'd see like a vine in the, through the window in the kitchen. Like you'd see a vine growing on the kitchen wall. The backyard always had like tons of ducks. It was like a wetlands. It was just like a small little enclosed backyard. But they had like these ponds that had just like turned into swamps. Ducks would just live there. They, uh, the entire family was very heavy. It was like Miss Maddox and her daughters. I think there were two or three of them. And they were a little bit older than us. They were like my sister's age. And they worked at uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They were really nice. Like her daughters were really nice. And she had this ex-husband who would show up and mow the lawn. And he was just like this skinny old guy. So she had like this skinny old guy for an ex-husband and like he was obviously the daughter's dad and he would like take care of it, like do what little taking care of the house anybody did, maybe like mow the lawn. But we were just obsessed with it because like we knew her from school. We knew Miss Maddox from school and she could be awful, like she could be a lot, like it's hard to explain how I felt about Miss Maddox. Miss Maddox. It's hard to explain how I felt about her because, like, she wasn't there wasn't the inhuman skeletal cruelty of Mrs. Ethel, but it was like you didn't like Miss Maddox either. And she wore a big blue trench coat, it was kind of like a light blue. Like I said, the other lady, every single day, she wore a uh, like a teal jacket. These are like cartoon characters because every single day, Miss Maddox wore this. And keep in mind, she was a very big woman. Very big. and But she wore this wraparound light blue trench coat. And one time I was talking to one of my sister's friends and he was like, oh, is Miss Maddox? Because they, you know, they were way older than I was. But they, they went through the same school system and knew all these people. And my sister's friend was like, oh, is Miss Maddox still there? And I was like, yeah, sure is. And he goes, yeah, we used to call her the Penguin. <laughs> she she looked like the penguin from the old uh, Batman, <laughs> like when the penguin wore that like baby blue suit. <laughs> that seriously, like when he told me that, it just blew my mind. He's like, oh, "Yeah, we used to call her the penguin." But you know, I didn't I didn't hate Miss Maddox. Like I didn't. She I don't think she hated children. 
She just seemed like a person who's like who was living in a house that was like slowly getting eaten by the swamp she lived in. She was very big, and you know she just just seemed like just she just seemed like one of those people where it's just like everything in her life is dirty and uncomfortable because her house was very dirty. Like, and there wasn't any reason it, it it would have been a nice house if it had been taken care of, but it was just like one of those houses just been it's just like soiled. And we would just, we took a, because we knew her from school, we kind of spied on them. Like when I became friends with Nick and like, you know, we started going to school and everything. It was like when he told me like, oh yeah, Miss Maddox is my neighbor. My next door neighbor. That's, that's, that you're, it's exactly what I'm talking about with these teachers where it's like, you don't really see into these people's lives. I'm back on point. It took me a while, but I'm back. I'm back on track. Where, like I was saying, like you don't get to know teachers. Like you don't really know what their lives consist of. But then, if you know somebody who's their neighbor, like this lady wasn't a teacher, but she was a fixture at the school. She like assisted with classes. She was like the main recess attendant. You interacted with her every single day. Like every single day of elementary school, you interacted with Miss Maddox for some reason. But you would never imagine like what her house is like or like what her daughters are like or like what her life consists of unless you were me and you go over to your best friend's house and you can just like spy through the hedges at what's going on there. And it was interesting. Not a lot of movement or activity. It just kind of seemed like people lounging around while the elements just consumed it. But you know what? That actually seemed perfect. Like that actually seemed like the type of place she would live in. And I don't even have anything against that. But it was just as a kid, like getting to see that, like being like, oh, holy shit. Like somebody like an adult who works at my school lives here. And you just don't get a window into that. These people, they're almost like celebrities in a way. They don't seem like real people to you when you're growing up. Still have bought a new nicotine. It's been, it's coming up on a couple weeks. I don't know, actually. It's been, I'd say, at least a week and a half since I ran out of my nicotine vape and I still haven't gotten a new one. I, there's like these dead ones and I've just like tried taking little fumes off, but I don't get anything. But no, I'm, I'm making a go of it. I can't afford to be buying those. And, you know, I've gone my whole life without being a nicotine addict. And then the last year I made that happen because I was using those. Like it started where I was using them uh, pretty much just on here. Like if I had to work on something, they're really nice to have. Kind of keeps your brain in a different space. But then other than that, I was just like, oh, it's, it's really fun to vape and talk. And so that's kind of what got me hooked is just being like, oh, I just I use it for these select things. But I don't know, the last like six months, the last five months, I would say the, since probably November, December, around there, it's been an all day, every day thing for me. So for about four months, it was an all day, every day thing, like wake up, like vape a bunch, do something else, vape a bunch. I don't even know if I was like, I certainly wasn't feeling a buzz anymore. But I also don't even feel like I was inhaling that much. It was just kind of a waste, just kind of like puffing away. I did enjoy it. And I'm not giving up on it forever. 
but now kind of seem like a good time. It's been about a year of me using them at all. I first start, like, I think a friend let me have one about a year ago and I just like used it sparingly and then I would run out and not use them for a while. But yeah, it was in the last six months though that I really, I started buying them for myself, having one all the time. It's making me miss having one right now, but no, this is a good time for me to go as long as possible without doing it. You know, before I'm like fully into it, I think now is a good time to take a break or stop. But anyway, another, another part of elementary school that always blew my mind is like when you know somebody outside of it, because sometimes that was the thing where you did know somebody who works at your school, but you knew them, you know, in a completely different setting. Like there was this lady who I'm not going to name because she's still alive and I talked to her a few years ago. But there was a lady who was a family friend of ours. Like she did these arts and crafts projects that my mom was involved in. And like, there was a long history. There was like, I think some relation between her and like some sort of like intermarital relation between her and like our neighbor, you know, just like one of those like small, you know, old time, small town sort of things. And like, she was always really sweet and nice. Like I, like, and I knew her from like, before I was even going to school, like, my mom and I would just go to her house when I was like three or four years old. It was just some lady we knew. When you're a kid, you don't even really think about who these people are. You're just like, oh yeah, we go to her house sometimes. Well, when I got to school, I found out that she worked for the school. And I don't even really know what her job was. Like, I'm finding out like there were a lot of these women there and I don't even know what their job was. But in this case, the lady, like her main thing seemed to be like she was an assistant. Like, I think what it is, it's like all these women who were like enforcers for the school, like they would be an aide to a specific teacher. Like they, they would they would like help Mrs. Halferty like manage her students or something. They just had some kind of like gen generic like aid role. But their real purpose was to be like these enforcers during recess. Or in this case, the lady had, I don't know how this lady got chosen, this lady who was a close family friend of ours, but they chose her to be like the, like whenever, because we would have lunch in the auditorium. And then after lunch, they would make all the kids sit in these lines. Like each class had to sit in the line. And this lady that I knew would like examine each line and, and like decide like the most orderly and well-behaved class would get to go out first. So she would like walk up and down. It was like a drill and, and she had the demeanor of a drill sergeant. So the kids would finish their lunch. They'd all go get in their line and they'd be sitting in this line and she would like patrol up and down the lines, like examining them. But the thing is, if kids were misbehaving, she would scream like she, there was so much hatred. <laughs> there was so much fucking hatred that would come out of her at these kids. And this is the same lady who I'm talking about, who I knew since I was born, who I always knew to be a very sweet woman. My mom and, and her would laugh. She was always nice to me. She had a daughter. She was a family friend. We knew, we knew her very well. But seeing her in this, and I don't know how she got chosen for this duty. Like, how do you... How do you become like an aide at an elementary school and they're like, oh, you're going to be the lady who 
walks up and down the lunchroom and decides like who gets to go out while screaming at kids for misbehaving. Like, how do you get to be the lunchroom drill sergeant? And, but like, I, I can't even, I don't even know if I can do a proper impression of her screaming. It wasn't just like a harsh, mean voice. I'm talking about like vocal tearing screams. And there was a kid I knew who one time, I guess I didn't know this until this moment, but you weren't supposed to bring food onto the playground. Like you were supposed to just, I guess, throw out your lunch or do whatever with it. I don't even know. But you weren't supposed to bring any food, leftover food onto the playground. Not even snacks or candy, apparently. And I didn't even know that was a rule. But there was this kid I knew, and he was behind me in line, and the lady I knew, like the, the, the drill sergeant, suddenly like she like zeroes in on like felt like where I was sitting. But the, the weird thing, she would be she would scream at a kid next to me and then see me and be like, Hi Eric. Hey kid. Because she like she's not gonna do that to me. Like she's a friend of my mom's. Like she's not gonna berate me. But that was that was even more insane that it's like she does that, but then if she knows the kid, it's like Oh, no, you're, you're fine. But, like, she, she zeroes in on this kid behind me, and I don't know why. And she goes, like, what do you have? What do you got? <laughs> it sounded like that. It was like that. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, obviously, it was a woman's voice, but it was like that level of, like, searing intensity. What do you have? What do you got? And the kid behind me just goes, like, he just shrugs. But he's kind of like, he's kind of putting his right hand down near where his shirt meets his leg. And he's like sitting on both knees because we're all on the ground. And show me what's in your hand. And he like shows her what's in his hand, which is nothing. And she goes, lift up your shirt. And I'm, I'm watching this and I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what she thinks he has. Like, I've, I didn't know there was a rule against food going out on the playground. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just watching this play out because I'm like, he's getting in trouble for something and he's hiding something, but what the fuck is even going on? And he lifts up his shirt and like tucked, like sitting on his thigh, and he was a pretty chubby kid and so was I, but sitting on his on his thigh, like kind of up near his hip bone is like a little, uh, like, like a scoot, like what are those called? Like... They used to make those those treats for kids, like they would, they would be in Lunchables and things like that, where it's like little mini fake breadsticks almost, with like a dipping sauce, like a cheese dipping sauce. I feel like that's a classic kid thing. But he had like a package of those just kind of sitting there. And she goes, give me that. And so like he handed it to her very sheepishly. And then like she looks down and goes, what else do you have? And he's like, no, nothing. She's like, pull out your pocket. And he had some sort of dessert. Like he had like, a, I don't know if it was like a little package of Oreos or like, I don't know what the fuck it was. I don't, I don't know what the fuck it was. But either way, he was like, bring this contraband out. But like, I learned two things. Like one, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that because I never did it. I never brought food out onto the playground. It just never even crossed my mind. Two, this kid that I knew, he had to have known that was a rule because he was sneaking it out. 
Like, he didn't just have it in his hand. He was hiding it under his shirt and in his pocket. And that's why the lady came over and was like, what do you got? What do you got? You know, it, it, it's like he knew that the, it's like it blows my mind. Like, he knew he couldn't do that. So he knew that he had to hide it. I didn't know any of this. But point being, that lady, like, I knew her outside of school, and she was always really sweet, but she turned into this just fire-breathing monster who would berate and scream at kids, like, really take her anger out. And I hate to do, like, some sort of Psych 101 thing, but I do know that about five years before that, her husband died a really horrific and terrible death, because, like, I'd heard about it my entire life. We knew these people. Her husband was a um, like a repairman of some kind, like a I think he worked for the cable company or something like that. Either a logger or I think I think that he worked for like the maybe like the telephone lines, like something where he had to get up, he had to like climb up around like trees and like high up poles and things like that. And he was up there during a storm or something. And he accidentally cut through his safety line and fell some horrific distance to his death. Like he just, he accidentally cut his safety line and it caused him to fall from some insane height. And what I was told as a kid is that his entire body was black and blue. Like his entire body was apparently just a bruise. And so that was this lady's husband. And, uh... I'm not saying that she was like, she had like maybe some, I'm not saying because her husband died in such a horrible way that she was like taking out her grief on the kids, but it does make you look at somebody and say like, uh, you know, I mean, that that's a serious thing. Maybe she was always that way. Maybe she always screamed at kids, but it's like, this is a person who obviously has something very painful on their mind. It wasn't that long before. Like, I was a kid, so it felt like a million years ago. Like, when I was when I was a little kid, I remember being told, like, oh, yeah, you know, right before you were born, like, you know, our friend there had a husband. <laughs> like, they wouldn't say this in front of her. But, like, they, like, my mom just told me, like, you know, you know that lady that we always visit, that friend of ours, you know, like, her husband died by falling from, like, this insane height. And I was just like, whoa. But it felt like a million years ago to me because I was... I was new to the earth. When you're like five years old and somebody tells you that like, oh, so-and-so died five years ago, you're like, that's all I know. I only know five years. That seems, that that must have been forever ago. But when you think about the reality of it, you're like, oh shit, like her husband died only five years ago. I don't know if that would make her scream at us. It doesn't justify how mean she was. But I got off easy. Like, and that, that it's an early feeling in, uh, I would say that it's like an early feeling of guilt where like, I knew that she wasn't as mean to me because she was friends with my mom. So I felt kind of bad that she was so mean to other kids. Like, I didn't like that I had that privilege. I didn't like that I had the privilege of not getting screamed at because the lunchroom drill sergeant knew my mom. But it would be fucked up if you were mean to these kids who you, you knew their parents. Like, if, if that lady was mean to me and I went home from school and I was like, you know, you know our friend who, like, is always really sweet when we visit her? Like, she screamed in my face today and took food away from me. She screamed in my face and took food away from me. 
But that's a, the difference is like you don't know. Like in most cases, you don't know what that person's life consists of, even though you see them all the time. Oh, if I had any point, I lost it a while ago. Something got me thinking about school and teachers. I know I was talking about how people have a thing they focus on. The peeps lady being into penguins. That wasn't the penguin. The teacher who was obsessed with penguins was not the same lady who kids called the penguin because she looked like the penguin. Different different women there. Turns out there was a lot of penguin stuff going on. There's a lot of penguin stuff going on there. And when I was in school, there was just a lot of penguin stuff going on. But, uh, that's all I got here. Happy weekend. Happy Easter. I was talking about Easter. <laughs> I started this, <laughs> I started this out talking about Easter. And that somehow got me talking about school, I guess because it all brings to mind childhood. Just when you thought it was over, I remembered I was talking about Easter. I was at Easter. Where um, I, I have no idea how that ended up connecting. I guess peeps, that was what it was. See, I'm able to retrace how things got off track. I was talking about Easter, which made me think of peeps, because that's a, an Easter candy. That got me thinking about Mrs. Cunningham, who is obsessed with peeps and how teachers have a thing. And they kind of, it's like a, they put it out there. They put out their thing and kids focus on that. It distracts kids. It's like an aspect of a teacher's personality that's like superficial and silly. So like the kids never have to like actually think about this person beyond that, which is good for everybody. But it is strange that kids spend so much time with their teachers and don't actually know these people. They don't just become friends. They don't just become like mentors or part of your family or something. They're just these people who you're going to spend an insane amount of time with and not really get to know. And that's actually probably better. It's probably better that you don't get to know them very well. Because we know what happens when teachers try to get their get to know their kids too well. But uh, then when you do know somebody well, when you do know a teacher or somebody at a school well, that's always weird too. Because they might scream at kids at school, but out of school they just seem like a normal functioning person. So that's not a perfect summary of everything that's been talked about, but I'm actually proud of myself that I was able to remember where... This all came from Easter peeps, teachers having a thing, teachers having a life that you don't get to see because you're a kid. It's a little poem. It's, it's, a, it's a little, uh, it's, a, it's some slam poetry. <laughs> be, see, that'd be a good niche doing slam poetry about elementary school. Teacher comes to school every day. Spend all year. This, I don't, this is no longer slam poetry, I don't think. Teacher comes to school every day. See them all day every year. Don't really know them. Don't really know 
what their life is like or what they even like. They tell us their favorite food and say they have a husband and kids. But beyond that, we don't really know who this person is. I'd be, see, if I do this enough, I'll get good at it. It's going to be a whole new kind of... <laughs> so fucking weird. <laughs> this, is so, this is so fucking weird. Um, doing this like improv poetry about teachers. The mystery of teachers. The weirdness of what it is to have teachers in your children's lives. Okay.